Welcome to the third episode of EdTech Crowd Podcast. In this series, I talk to founders, innovators, and people important for EdTech scene. This podcast is powered by EdTech Poland Foundation, the community of EdTech startups from Poland. If you would like to learn more about EdTech Poland Foundation, please check www.edtechpoland.pl. In this episode, we will hear from strong female founder of Austrian startup RoboWunderkind, Anna Jarocka. She was recognized in the ranking of top 100 influencers in EdTech by EdTech Digest. I will ask her about her story and vision on EdTech industry. Okay, I started recording. Um, so, hello, Anna. Mm. Thank you for uh, joining at the Crowd Podcast. I introduce you as a strong female founder. Uh, <laughs> so maybe later on uh, you can also um, tell more a bit uh, of uh, your perspective of uh, female founders in EdTech. But maybe we can start from your story and you can tell us a bit how did you end up in the EdTech industry and what does your company do as well? Yeah. Hi, Mateusz. Thank you for having me. My, my great pleasure. And my the story of Robo Wunekind and, uh, uh, starts in end of 2016, where founders met at a startup conference, Pioneers, in Vienna. And I think for, um, it was like, it was point in time where I think everybody was kind of like discovering for himself the startup scene and um, myself I was um, before that I was working in investment management and consulting so more traditional industries <laughs> and then uh, while being involved with the startup conference I was really impressed by the type of projects people were presenting and I met a co-founder a founder of Siri so Adam Chaya who sold it back then to Apple. And I met a team that was working on exoskeleton and they did a demo of exoskeleton with a person standing up from a, a wheelchair and, and walking. And I was very just, it was mind blowing. Like with technology, you really can change the world. And for myself, I was asking, but what does it like, if everything changes so quickly and like there's so many possibilities through technology, what does it mean for education? And also I was a bit frustrated that I've never thought of becoming an engineer. I was like, wow, this, like, it feels like you have a magic power if you're an engineer, because you can, yeah, you can create like so much, so many amazing things. And I was also thinking back to my education and how I was pursuing computer science when I was studying in nineties in Ukraine. And it was, it looked very boring, like it, uh, it just, it was really boring lessons. And I, um, yeah, that, that's where I also met my co-founders in this conference. And we were all discussing about how can we do education more, how, how can actual education prepare children for the future? And how can we inspire children to, to learn more of coding, programming, of learning how to be creative with technology? And that's how we came up with the idea of RoboWinnikin. And which logically, like, I think I need to explain what RoboWunikind is. Uh, so RoboWunikind is a solution to teach coding and robotics in kindergarten, primary, and early secondary school. And it's a combination of building blocks to build robots, apps for programming, and educational content, which supports teaching in different educational environments. 
Okay. Uh, what year did you start it? So we met at the end of 2013 and we started working on the project at second half of 2014. And then we spent three years in development because it is a modular robot, <laughs> which proved to be very, very uh, challenging development project. And we're on the market since uh, January 2018. So yeah, actually, uh, yeah, it's been a bit more than three years in development and um, now it's our year four on the market. Okay, and you mentioned that uh, you came from like totally different industry from the like corporate uh, financial world. So what was the difference for you starting the own startup, something own company comparing to your previous experience? Uh, yeah, like it's, it's very, very different because uh, you always in the corporate world, you come in in a structure which is already established. So you have the clients, you have, you know, like income streams and you have also a structure in the company, a working structure in the company. And then of course you always like, you know, you have new projects, you have new initiatives and, uh, but it is like all the structure is existing. And when you start a startup, you have nothing <laughs> and it is like it's, it's a very big change and also you have very limited resources but then you also have a lot of freedom and like you can really choose what what to focus on and it is I think it is very uh, rewarding to have this freedom to decide what you want to do because this is just just you and like your drive and your decisions and I think this is for me the area where you like the connection between your effort and the outcome is the most related <laughs> because sometimes you know like in a big structure you can put a lot of effort and it goes nowhere so I think in, in startups it's still like if you put a lot of effort you you will get to see results okay and that has been already a couple of years so what you consider as your biggest success for Robo Wunderkind uh, so far? Um, I, I think that um, actually having product being used in, in more than 20 countries in school systems, having partners, so like a network of distribution partners in those countries and use cases and kind of like established use cases so that we can say Robo Wunderkind hasn't just developed the product, but it also enabled use of it uh, and integration in different school systems in Europe, in the US, in, in Asia. This is for me like the biggest, biggest success just to think about because you know, like coming up with a product idea and developing the product is just one very, very first step to success. You actually need to make sure that this product is being used out there. And for me, like this, just thinking like more than 20 countries, schools in more than 20 countries, and in total, we like it's more than 500 schools are using RoboWunikint. This is very, very rewarding uh, idea. And of course, we want to scale it even more. And what are the biggest differences do you see also between the countries? Like, because uh, education is very specific to every country. Like, do you see any like uh, some things which you can um, see that there are some patterns or how do, how do you see? Yeah. I think there is a, like huge, huge differences. And maybe this is one of the biggest obstacles to actually, uh, yeah doing international business in with educational product that you need to get aligned to, to the school system in each country and just get a better understanding of how, how it, it works, how it is structured, who is taking decisions. So I think the biggest difference is, is again, like who, 
who is taking decisions and also like what is their what does uh, standards like educational standards what do they expect so how much is their um, how high is the level of expectation from educational system on the on on this certain subject so for example like there are some subjects which have standardized exams and that's where like a lot of uh, financing goes in because everybody wants to perform good in this exam um but then there are some countries where yeah and like um you need to understand it how how um so what is the curriculum expectations for for your subject which is relevant this is very different in each country also like what is the level of preparation of teachers or like what is the skills level and i think it's very relevant to stem products um and like what is the supporting structure so if in the us you have digital coordinator which is some for us like very often like number one contact person um then in some other countries like there's more uh, like in germany it's called media media centers like organizations which are su uh, supposed to help uh, schools in their districts how to implement digital technology and then there are some countries which the, nothing exists and you you just need to, to talk directly to to teachers and this is yeah like so what kind of uh, expect, curriculum expectations and standards what are the structures uh, supporting teachers and also who is taking the decision like is it a teacher taking decision or is it someone in the ministry who is taking decision for the whole country this, these are very very important uh, questions yeah, definitely. Also, from my experience, EdTech is very specific uh, type of industry. And um, you mentioned about the one of the obstacles, but maybe you can tell a bit more about the obstacles you see for the EdTech startups. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest, biggest obstacle is the slow adoption. And this is why... Um, like you just can't scale you know like this hockey hockey stick <laughs> i mean okay maybe like no actually like i'm sure that there are there it depends on the business model so in the uh probably like if it's a b2c model that like the scaling can be much faster but if you're selling to to schools you need to be aware of budget cycles and budget cycles are usually yearly <laughs> which means you have like one opportunity per year to to make the sale and this makes the whole process much slower and yeah you need as a company you just need to plan for it and uh, yeah to be able to survive many budget cycles <laughs> and until you do do the sale so i think this is um one of the main obstacles um and then yeah like this country differences that you can't it is very difficult to uh, to work without a local partner and without some local connection like that that is my experience that because it is so so specific to each country how how the structure works who is taking decisions who like can teachers can schools buy by themselves or they need to coordinate it with with the budget department of the village city ministry and so on so like all this it yeah in a way it is also very political everything connected to education this is i think it's it's not an obstacle but i i think it's very very interesting to understand also how politics influences educational industry in each country yeah definitely uh, especially you know the investment uh, in education someone told me like 
if you're a politician and you want to invest in education, the outcome will be visible in a couple of years. But for example, if you decide to build a, ro a road or uh, uh, some you know, uh, physical investment in one, two years, it's already done. So like voters can see it. So it's quite tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you see the general situation for the industry? Like many people also mentioned about the impact of uh, COVID-19. Um, but how, how do you see the industry itself? What 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 you can also... Yeah, it, it again depends depends a lot because I see a lot of companies that profited from uh, from uh, uh, current situation. But of like for us, it was we actually also profited in a way. Like there is definitely, I think some of the opportunities are brighter, and, and like there are more of opportunities for us. But at the same time, like they, we couldn't realize them last year or this year in many countries where the schools are just closed. And uh, of course it is like, it's a, it's a real interruption to the industry. So I like, it, it is mixed, but overall it, like the amount of attention, which is now uh, education receives, it is, I would say it, is, it was a huge boost to the whole industry. So uh, yeah, like mixed experiences, but very bright future, <laughs> just to sum it up. Uh, did you have to adjust your product to the um, pandemic situation? Maybe you can tell a bit more about this. Yeah, definitely. So we, we put a lot of uh, attention to uh, supporting the home use scenario and homeschooling scenario. Uh, and we saw actually substantial growth in our sales to parents uh, uh, last year. Yeah, so of course, it's always you, you have opportunities in the crisis as well. Um, so also, as I understand, your market is a bit uh, diverse because you target B2C and the B2B or B2G uh, markets at the same time. Yeah, so depends on the yeah, situation, so like, you can focus more. But it is like we focus more on education, but it just like last year and this year, and also like I think it is a bit more specific to Austria and Germany, where like the adoption of EdTech products by schools is very slow, but at the same time, parents and families have, uh, have budgets and are ready to invest in educational products for the use at home. So that's why we, uh, yeah, like our B2C traction in, in our home markets is quite, is good, uh, but we just don't, like this is not our primary business. So like if we think about over Wovenikind as a whole, we are education first company. Okay. And uh, you mentioned Austria, uh, so this is a, like your local market um, and maybe you can tell a bit more about the, maybe Austrian and also German because I know they are connected. Uh, what is the specific of this market? And I always ask this question, if you have like magic stick and you can change one thing in your local educational system, uh, what it would be? Yeah, so Austria and Germany is, uh, um, in terms of digitalization of education, they are very, very behind. And this is a very sad fact, especially thinking about you know, like this industry, which everybody is so proud of in, in like Austria and Germany. That, like,